0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. On this podcast, I'm inviting you into my personal library to experience my favorite erotica. All of the volumes that I will read from are on my shelves. Each week, I will treat you to a piece of erotica, either my own or from one of my favorite authors. Some weeks, I will be joined by these amazing authors themselves, and you will have the chance to hear them read their own work. This podcast is being supported by my Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Lori Beth Bisbee. For people who subscribe, you will have access to special interviews with authors and readings and also to special events. So grab your drink of choice, get comfortable, and enjoy a peek into my erotic world. everybody welcome back to Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's erotic library and I am with M Christian and this is the little bonus interview so I just wanted to um, I wanted to start by asking what got you started writing um
1: uh, thank you Pungia. this is so delightful I'm having a wonderful time I want to thank you again make you blush um, You know it's it's funny but it's like I've always kind of been a very creative person um so I've always was creating things but for some bizarre reason um um I in high school it just kind of like hit me that you know I was already reading a ton of stuff mostly science fiction but other things as well to give it a shot and you know I probably wrote like 50 stories over about 10 years and didn't sell a single one of them Uh, Part of that was because I didn't really understand the market, how it worked, and I had a lot of basic skills I still needed to learn. But then I ended up in San Francisco in the early 90s, and pretty much on a spur of the moment, my wife at the time signed me up for an erotica writing class that was run by Lisa Palak, who at the time was editing a magazine called Future Sex. And I, I had written a kind of a test story, and I just kind of boldly gave it to her, and a couple of weeks later she called up and said she wanted it and then that story ended up in best American erotica and it went from there
0: <laughs> how cool is that um so what's your favorite thing about writing what do you like the most
1: um I think because it's 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 it works with the reader's imagination um you know it's kind of my favorite thing to when I when I was trying to write I kind of try to write kind of not so much providing as many details as possible but i love the idea of using word choices to sort of like conjure imaging and sensations and such i mean i get lost in that but i also really like crafting stories i'm one of those writers who doesn't just simply write i have to know where the story's going to go so i work out the plot and the basic framework you know before that and that is a whole different kind of pleasure and then of course there's the detail putting all that in and then there's that word choice and so forth so it's a really kind of a a really very fun kind of thing to do and I like again that I'm working with the, the reader.
0: That's totally cool. <laughs> um, I, I I mean I love the fact that you have such a breadth of work and um, I just realized that I may be a little bit soft there. I love the fact that you have such a breadth of work and um, I really, I mean, I was a, a science fiction and fantasy reader from the year Dot. Um, I, I probably, I mean, I, I think I bought The Lord of the Rings when I was nine, <laughs> which tells you about where I was. And I lived in science fiction and fantasy throughout my teens, um, from then on throughout my teens and into my 20s um, and still read it. But, um, but also, um, as soon as I understood erotica, then I started wondering whether there would ever be a marrying of the two. And I remember finding stuff and being so excited by the stuff that I found um, over the years. Like one of my favorite stories is, a, is one by Celia Tan called Telepaths Don't Need Safe Words, which I read for the second week that I did this because she generously gave me permission to read it myself. Um, but just the idea that we could actually make sure that people saw the sex in these worlds, is it more difficult to write sort of sex and sensuality for sci-fi or for fantasy? Do you think than than for kind of a straightforward erotic story?
1: I think mean, it really kind of depends. I mean, the story I just read, it, you know, I, and it actually is not ex- all that explicit. That's because it was for a magazine that doesn't publish explicit stuff. Though the other stories in the book are much more explicit. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, for me, being a longtime, you know, nerd geek, whatever, and being a science fiction fan, you know, whenever I get, you know, an opportunity to be able to combine that with whatever, for me, it's not necessarily writing eroticas. I get to write the genre of whatever the publisher, editor, or project is doing. So if I'm writing, like, if someone says, Hey, I need a you know, a clear cowboy story, my first reaction is I get to write Sergio Leone, you know, I get to do the man with no name, and you know, if someone says, We're looking for noir, I keep thinking, Great, I get to do Sunset Boulevard, I get to do Sweet Small Success, I get to do, you know, I mean I get to you know, I get to DOA, I get to you know, so it's like You know, I was kind of also trying to write about sex, but anyway, to kind of answer your question, um, I prefer, I think, science fiction because I like the fact that I try as often as possible to be optimistic, that I don't, I think, you know, relishing in dystopias, especially around sexuality is Not good, you know, for the culture and the reader. I want to show stories. And yes, some of the ones in particularly hard drive are a little dark because I wrote them when it was kind of a dark time. But, you know, the new ones I'm working on right now, I'm trying to be as optimistic as possible, which I really also like exploring a world where things like gender is absolutely fluid and a personal choice where sexuality is no, is, is freed of prejudice and intolerance. I like writing about, you know, op, you know, different types of sexual enjoyment and so forth. So I get to have that imagination get revving up, so to speak. And I do love combining odd little, you know, details like, you know, uh, you know, shared consciousness or, you know, smart material genitalia or, you know, mnemonics or all kinds of different things. I mean, it's like, I love learning all this technology, which I write about for future sex quite often, and then integrating that into a story where it's kind of like my idea or a hope for the future. So, you know, that's kind of the reason I like doing that particularly.
0: I, I mean, that's really cool to me. I think one of the things I love about some of the stuff is that it's not always the pretty person or the popular person or the, you know, the, the classic looking individual that's getting lots of sex or getting the, making the conquest or getting together with people because by virtue of it being sci-fi and fantasy we're often talking about other mm-hmm. and so it's it, it's for me it's like okay this is also sex for other this is sex for for people who who may not fit the norm who may not fit um the coveted
1: mm-hmm. roles
0: and that's one of the things that i like about it because it it it's much more inclusive in that way. And I'm not sure that people necessarily realize that. But to mm-hmm. me, that's something that really stands out. It becomes much more inclusive. It's also a really cool way to try on some things that you might not otherwise try on. Mm-hmm. So for me, I mean, I'm pretty out there as, as <laughs> No, right? So, um, you know, I don't have to try on any kind of kink, BDSM, anything. I could try on, sometimes I, I mean, like I like to read um, erotica of all types. I read gay male erotica. I find that just as hot, even though there's absolutely nothing male about me. It doesn't matter. And it's one of the things that I tell to some of the clients that come to see me is one of the wonderful things about this kind of stuff is that it doesn't matter what turns you on.
1: Mm-hmm. It
0: doesn't mean anything about who you are. It's just a turn on. Right. And so the more you can explore in fantasy, the better. And then you can decide what maybe you want to take to reality and what you don't want to take to reality. But those are decision points, not signposts p- to where you should necessarily be. And some things, you know, never work in reality. You know, there are you know, there are some things that are hot as shit in fantasy, but just don't work in reality. Um, it's different for everybody else. I'm not going to tell you which things <laughs> work for you. I know what doesn't work for me. Right. Right. Um, but it's one of those things, you know, it's so, so when you combine this with science fiction and fantasy, it makes it even easier to do that, and mm-hmm. to really kind of spread someone's horizons, and that's one of the things that I love about it so much. So you said you write for uh, Future of Sex, which I happen to be familiar with. Um, where do you think sex is going? in the next? Well, 15,
1: 20- well you know, I'm again, trying to say positive. Um, you know, I, I try not to be too much of like, you know, you know lose of perspective, but I do think it is important to be as positive as possible because maybe it's my own personal delusion, but I do think it's like, if you focus on the future always being dystopic, if you always focus on that as being the default, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, you know, it it bugs me sometimes when I read about developments in technology or social developments or alternative exploration of sexuality sometimes people will automatically leap to the dystopic. In other words, that's like, you know, someone announces some new technology and someone immediately leaps to the bandwagon that this is gonna turn into a frankincense monster. Well, again, if you look on everything as being a lead to a negative, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm just repeating myself. So I, w- I think it's important to, to look at some of these things and t- to view the technology with an air of caution because you don't want things to get in the wrong hands, obviously, and be used as a tool of oppression. But at the same time, many of them can be used to help a tremendous number of people. So don't slam the door on something, both technologically or socially, until you know you've sort of really evaluated it. Um, as far as my sp- my current speculations. I think technology is fascinating. I mean, we're seeing the, you know, virtual reality, which used to be a cyberpunk wet dream, now is commonplace. You can buy it in Target, um, you know, and other things. But I think the big development that's going to change pretty much everything, um, you know, the, the technological side, you know, is art, uh, augmented reality, uh, which just to geek out for a second here, virtual reality. Basically, you are immersed in an artificial creation. You can't see the real world. Augmented reality projects information into your field of vision. So in other words, if you look at an object, if you choose to, you could learn everything about it by just looking at it. Um, I think this really has tremendous potential for, you know, sharing of information, sharing of experience, looking at the world through new eyes, you know, being able to identify with other people. So it's a tremendous development. But anyway, there's all kinds of technological bells and whistles. You know, everything from CRISPR, which could lead to, you know, you know, people being able to have the gender of their, of their, of who they are. Um, there's all kinds of new developments in like artificial, you know, organs and such, and all kinds of new developments, haptic technology, which could lead to actually be able to feel as well as not to see in virtual reality. But anyway, this is all just bells and whistles. And, you know, and this includes things like internet and connected sex toys, robots, you name it. The big changes, I think, are going to be social. I think we are starting to see, which I think is absolutely wonderful, the acceptance that gender is a spectrum. And it's a spectrum that is determined by an individual and no one else. So, you know, we've lived for so long in a culture that likes to, um, likes to pigeonhole everything. You are this, you know, you do this, therefore you're this. That is such as a culture, an immature viewpoint. Because again, it's oppression. It's someone telling you, you have to be something because of whatever. I mean, the whole concepts of masculinity and femininity are so antiquated. I would love to see a future. I think we really are moving in that direction where who you are is who you are. In other words, your choice, your preference, who you are as a person and that nothing else matters Um, that, you know, biology does not you know, reflect anything except your biology and whatever you determine and interpret it as. I also see that we're going to hopefully move to beyond the limitations of social structures in regards to relationships and sexuality. For the longest time it was either married, single, married, divorced, or widowed, you know, and that is ridiculous. I mean, you look at the human spectrum. That's only four I do think that hopefully in the next coming decades, if not sooner, we're gonna see relationships based not on these narrow definitions, but just that's once again, what your choice is and the people involved. Maybe it's open marriage involving or polyamory involving two people or three people or 12 people or 26 people that may include like BDSM style power dynamics, which might include long distance relationships, which might, you know, all kinds of different factors. So we need to sort of, what I'm basically going to say is that I think it's a sign of an advanced society when it accepts and celebrates ambiguity, that it's not the culture's job to tell anyone what they are or what they aren't, but it's up to the person's choice. As long as the activity is consensual, as long as it follows that guideline, anything is good.
0: So what I find so so fascinating about that is like from a psychological perspective, the ability to manage ambivalence is one of the markers of being an adult. And it's one of the things that's really quite difficult for people to achieve. In fact, um, if you look at developmental psychology, you're supposed to achieve it in your early 20s. The vast majority of the population doesn't. And I suspect that part of that, it's gotten worse. And I think the reason it's gotten worse is because social media almost ends up giving people forced choices. Mm -hmm. So people adopt another person's viewpoint, and then it gets spread everywhere. And so that's the the prevailing viewpoint. And so people do sort of this either or forced choice. I mean, what we know, um, and I've talked a lot about this um, in other forums, for example, Sari Van Anders, um, her research has sexuality no longer having only one access. So we we don't have an access that goes from homosexual to heterosexual on its own anymore. We also have hypersexual to asexual, we have um, um, dominant to submissive, we have monogamous to non-monogamous and that all of these things so we've got four or five and then we have gender axis that you can describe yourself by looking at where you are on each of these axes and then also we we're well aware that things are not necessarily fixed that people do move along the spectrum even though sometimes they don't recognize that they're doing so Mm -hmm. so i agree with the way that you're predicting the social stuff i think the more people who become aware of this and the more science behind it, because a lot of times things don't change until they're science. And I gotta mm-hmm. say, these things are not easy to study. So I'm always really impressed when people do because people, you know, you have to study by studying people who are doing things. And most people don't like to talk about sex and relationships, they're afraid of, of, of um, persecution because there is persecution in a lot of places. But the more science we get behind this, the more people will realize that the norm really is um, that things are much more multi-layered than we thought, which doesn't mean you can't be heteronormative, right? Mm -hmm. That may be who you are and that's great, no problem. But it's about that being who you are in the knowledge that there are all these other choices that you might have. And we no longer look at things like, well, you know, you just have to be either this way or that way we will know that people definitely have predilections. They definitely come into their lives at a very young age. And some of these things don't change. And um, I always tell people, you know, it's not worth trying to look back and figure out why it is, you know, that you're submissive or why it is that you're dominant. You can spend a lot of money with me trying to excavate that and we're not going to find the answer. Pointless. Much better to work on getting you to accept yourself as you are getting rid of shame, and getting you to enjoy living your life. Much better um, spend of money and much less money, to be honest. Takes a lot less time to do that than it does to excavate. And even if you find the answer, it still doesn't change anything. So I, I, I'm definitely going in that direction. I agree with you. I really think that, I um, mean, that's what I would really like to see in the years to come, is for there to be a much wider acceptance and understanding of this and different people can still have their own viewpoints and you can still have what's good for you and you can still find other people odd. That's not a problem. It's just an understanding in society that actually things are much more complex than we thought. And even though we as humans tend to like small boxes, we have to learn to sit with ambivalence because that's what mature societies do.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I cannot agree with you more. And it's not just, I mean, it's another factor too, which you touched on, I think quite well, is that it's no one's business, but the person's. So that's, that's another big change. It's not just like, you know, having a world that allow uh, that accepts ambivalence, but also that it's not your place to pigeonhole people. You can have your own opinion, but for God's sakes, it's like that person's decision and the way they live their life, the way they find pleasure and love and excitement and everything else, as long as it's consensual, is their business. We like to control people. We don't, that, that, that fear of ambiguity makes us want to claim to this kind of, totalitarian narrowness of what the world should be and it's a fear response and it's like and once again a mature society is not a frightened society and i do think we're moving in that direction slowly but surely i mean the number of times i've seen representation or alternatives in mainstream media and you mentioned for science i'm really quite amazed when i stumble across articles like from you know respected peer journals, it says, okay, you know, our spectrum, not just of gender, but of sex, is you know very expansive, you know, and that there is no biological scientific basis behind two sexes. It's just like it's really quite remarkable. And also like the prevalence and growing acceptance of things like, you know, polyamory, BDSM relationships, single parent, all this kind of thing. It's it's definitely gaining momentum. I think the more people are exposed to it. And the more it becomes part of simply the world, it's going to be much better. I know how, when that's going to happen. And a lot of people simply not accept it, but I just think it's, it's we are moving in that direction. And again, I do try and stay as optimistic as possible. Um, not that I think it's like, it's time to let your guard down and not understand the world we currently, we can currently live in. But at the same time, I think it's, it's important that, to try and hold on to the fact that we can make the world a better place. And not give up the fight and still kind of hold on to our dreams.
0: I, I mean, I, I completely agree with that. And I think, you know, for me, it's like, okay, so I have a reality basis. And, I, and I'm pretty good these days, although I wasn't earlier in my life at reality testing, right? And so I know and understand when I'm taking a risk most of the time. I mean, sometimes we take risks without realizing it, but most of the time I know and understand when I'm taking a risk and I'm risk assessing, I'm deciding if I'm going to take that risk. I can also choose to be vocal and outspoken about the way I live my life in the knowledge that This is part of what puts things forward when people can see that actually you're a pretty well-balanced person, you've raised a well-balanced child, you've done balanced and good work, and yet you live in this strange fashion that they don't understand, and you're not the only one, and people see more and more. Positive examples in the media that it does make a difference, but it doesn't mean that tomorrow everybody's going to be accepting. And so you need to know that if you are going to live in public and you are going to be living out loud, that there are risks attached and risk assess. The same is for everything. Um, exactly. It's an area where I am privileged in as much as nobody would know anything about me unless I open my mouth. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> And so I am aware that that's a privilege. It's 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 the same as as my as my race because uh, I'm Jewish and that's not obvious. <laughs> so unless I say something, nobody knows. And I actually do say something quite a lot because I think it's important that that is something that I'm out and upfront about, and that I'm not passing, as it were, because I don't think it's appropriate. But um, because so many of the people I love cannot pass, so. Right. But the fact is, is that I do have that privilege because unless I were out talking about it, nobody would know how I live my life. There are people who don't. And so it's really important to keep that in mind as we try and push things forward that hopefully we're pushing forward for the larger group. That's my hope anyway.
1: Absolutely. I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. And as we were chatting off mic, you know, it's like, it's this one of those things where I am simply just horrified that people don't respect the bravery it takes to be out on many things, gender, you know, your, your sexual orientation, you know, your ethnicity, just leaving your house is an act of pure bravery. And that's why I really just, my blood boils with people who just don't understand and respect that. I mean, you know, to, to, be ha- to be able to live in a country, particularly in the United States, where any one of these factors could lead easily to your death. Yeah. And for no damn reason, except you happen to hit somebody's psychotic trigger or whatever reason. That, I mean, once again, existing is an act of defiance. And you have to check your privilege that you don't have to experience that. And I, I mean, it's very difficult to do. And it's, it's, it's not something that can come easily, but I think it's very important, especially these days. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, you know, beside my apparent gender and my ethnicity, I don't have any risk factors. I don't have kids. I don't have, I mean, my job is writing adult material. So it's like, I can't exactly lose my job for being out. But other people, it's like, you know, if you're a a person of color, if you're queer, if you're trans, you know, just any of those factors alone could lose everything in your life, including your life. So, you know, once again, it's like, just honor the bravery and the strength of someone who, you know, is living the life they, they deserve, they want. And that's, that is something I think is, once again, I wish more people would understand and accept. I mean, it's just like to live in a world that will just literally murder you for any excuse for not, you know, fitting in or because of perceived things. And half the time it's just perception. I mean, just, you know, you know, there's one guy just recently who's beaten badly because he looked gay. just like, you know, what kind of a world have we created? It's horrifying. It is.
0: It is. Um, But I want to end on a positive note. you know, without, I mean, look, we, recognizing what's going on out there. I really want to thank you for coming and doing this. This has been wonderful. Um, it's you. Awesome to meet you. And um, listen, guys, uh, there's more where this came from. Like I said, if you go and join the Patreon, you get all the perks, the swag, the extra bits and pieces. It's patreon.com forward slash Lori Beth Bisbee. Um, I will post M Christian's stuff so you can reach him on the um, on the main podcast, which is not only on Patreon, but it's on Stitcher. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify. And it will also be on uh, both my websites. It, it'll be quite shortly. Um, we're having a technical hitch on the, on the Dr. Press, but it will get there as well. If you haven't yet picked up a copy of the book, Dancing the Edge to Surrender, an ironic Memoir of Trauma and Survival, that's the one I released at the end of April. You can grab it. Um, at Amazon, at Barnes and Noble, or you can grab the links from my website, DrLaurieBethBisbee.press. I've got the links there. I've also got links. If you want an autographed copy, you can hit those too. And I look forward to seeing you all next week. Have a great week. Make it a hot and sexy one. There we go.
1: Oh, wonderful! Thank you so much, darling. Thank you so much.
0: That was such a treat. Um, so I will, I think you end up being week six by my calculation. I'm going to find the date that it'll go up and then I'll send you all the links so that you've got them. So you can promote. I'm, I will start heavily promoting this week by week. Cause I, uh, this week was my week off supposedly so in my week off though. I recorded <laughs> <the> people. Uh, <laughs> I am going, um, my son is is at this very moment editing some of the stuff I wanted him to edit and I'll start posting links in the social media um, in the next couple of days and I'll send you all that I'm posting. I'll also, um, if you make sure that I have your, we follow each other on Twitter. So um, I'll find out. I'll go and look where your Instagram is and stuff and because I'll, I'll tag you in what I'm posting. If you can
1: find it, let me know because I can send you my links and so forth. I mean, it's pretty much um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, though I don't follow Facebook. I just post to it, you know, and I'm thinking seriously of canceling my Facebook because Zuckerberg's such an asshole um pinterest but don't worry about that one because it's just you know me and thing with tumblr but yeah those are prime break three but if you miss anything please let me know and absolutely let me know and, and anytime you want to chat again you know let me know i this was absolutely delightful and i would definitely i'm um, encourage you know all my friends to listen in and i'm really quite happy so thank you once again
0: <laughs> my pleasure if you think of anybody who else who might want to be on do let me know and yeah i'm sure i'll have you chat again no question. Oh, Shall I
1: send you like just send them you know information like Dr. Amy Marshall I do the podcast with oh, and yeah. Ralph Rico we both absolutely adore it so you know I'll I'll I'll, I'll pass them I'll pass their information along to you and that way you can reach out to them if you like. Well,
0: that's brilliant. Thank you.
1: Anytime. Thank Take
0: care. Bye. Thanks for joining me on this erotic adventure. Join me again next week for more exciting erotica. Visit my websites, DrLaurieBethBisbee.com and DrLaurieBethBisbee.press for more information about what I'm doing and what services are available. Check out my weekly internet radio show, The A to Z of Sex, on the Health and Wellness Channel, VoiceAmerica.com, Thursdays at 11 a.m. PST, 2 p.m. EST, 7 p.m. BST, and that's a live show. If you've got suggestions for this show or authors you'd like to hear, email me at lori.beth at drlauribethbisbee.press. Have a great week.